Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show, and it is Bowl Preview Part 3. It's the week of Christmas, but we have got bowl games to discuss and a lot of interesting matchups. Before we begin, let me go ahead and introduce our experts that are here with us, of course, every single show. On the left side of your screen is Parker Fleming. I call him the numerical guru. He's uh, a super smart guy, knows a lot of numbers, and we're going to talk about a bunch of those today. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stats of War. Parker, uh, big week last week, of course, 6-5 and five overall uh, for, uh, for your model last week. How you feeling about it? You know, going uh, feeling feeling all right. I'm a volume shooter in uh, in the ball game season, and uh, I'm just trusting that uh, as we get more games between uh, you know teams that have played similar schedules and teams that have had uh, similar challenges, I think uh, my record will only keep going up. So, uh, lots of value here in the ball games. I think even as we have you know opt outs and craziness and who knows what going on, but uh, a lot of good games this week that might that seem to not have be uh, uh, crazy at all. So that'll be fun. Uh, you have certainly got that right. Yeah, there is a lot to discuss with. All of that, and that's part of the reason why we're here. Going through who's sitting out, what coaches are there, who wants to be there. It's a, the handicapping is a little bit different when it comes to bowl season. And, of course, Kyle can help us out with that a bunch. On the left, or excuse me, the right side of your screen, Kyle Hunter. You can follow him on Twitter, at Kyle Hunter Picks. He is our professional award-winning handicapper. Uh, Kyle, it is a lot different this go-round. You, uh, you went 2-1 and one in your picks last week. I uh, I got a feeling that you feel pretty good about some this week as well, right? Yeah, I was uh, happy to come back to Wyoming, have, having taken over there in the second half of that game. Was was as I told you guys, was out with uh, family, taking him to see a bunch of Christmas lights, and wasn't feeling great about what I saw in the first half. But uh, Craig Bowles. Uh, team got it together there in the second half obviously it must have ran it down their throat so uh that was nice but uh two and one i'll take that every time certainly and uh, looking forward to talking about a lot more games here today and tomorrow and you have got that right one of the weird things about this of course is trying to figure all of this stuff out a little early uh you try and get the best of the number but you know as we saw with utsa against san diego state uh, a lot of guys sit out right before the bowl game you got guys that are opting out for the nfl etc that uh, it happens very, very quickly before the game starts, and you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but we're here to try and give you the best value, the best information possible going forward. By the way, I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Uh, let me go ahead and remind everybody to sign up over at BetUS. That is where the game begins. Go to BetUS.com. A ton of great deals and whatnot going on right now, so go ahead and check it out. There is a link in the description if you click that. It will go ahead and pop up in your browser for you. You don't even have to remember that I told you the name. So just go ahead and click the link in the description. And while you're at it, we do have several people watching now. Uh, go ahead and like the video for us, if you would so kindly, and subscribe to the channel. We are nowhere near done with bowl season. We have got a ton more games to discuss. Wednesdays and Thursdays, we will be talking about the games. We've still got the playoff. We've, well, we hope we've got the playoff. How's that? <laughs> After all the news that came out today, who knows what's going to happen? But uh, we do have the playoff. We do have many, many more bowl games to go. So Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Be back right here on this channel to make sure that you are watching with us. So uh, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and jump in the comments. Uh, we've got several people already in. Mark, uh, Steven, etc. You guys jump in. If you have any questions or anything, uh, we're going to hit every bowl game. But if you do have any questions... Uh, go ahead and toss that thing in there. So, uh, with that said, let's go ahead and give you a recap of what we have done thus far on the season. Now, these are just our picks, but it gives you an idea of where we stand. So far on the season, I am sitting at 52 wins, 46 losses, and 4 pushes. Kyle is now at 39 wins, 32 losses, and 0 pushes. And Parker is now at 55 wins, 64 losses, and three pushes. Overall, on the season, just on games that we have picked, we are 146, 142, and seven overall. Now, if you toss in our preseason futures, and I'm going to do this every time, even though it's not on the graphic, we are 171, 159, and seven. And that is pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. So, uh, let's see. There is, I'm, I'm being told that there is a promotion, uh, but I don't know what it is yet, and I apparently was not told about it beforehand. So <laughs> so I don't know what to do yet because it's telling me to do this before I go into the games. Um, but our next 
step is the games. So, um, I will go ahead and tell you. Uh, yes. Okay. So we we have a video from Maka. Uh, we had. I'm sorry. This one's from Danny. My apologies. So Danny is going to tell us about a bowl contest. So let's go ahead and dive into that one. It's December, school is finally out, and we're on that holiday spirit, and that means free content prizes, baby. Our School's Out contest will be open this December 17th, and all you gotta do is simply pick the winners for every college football game and guess the score for the championship game. The top three players with the most winners will get a free play. It's that simple. First place gets $2,000, second $1,000, and third $500. Now, who doesn't like some extra cash on the holidays? Pick the most bowl winners and come out on the top. Head over to BetUS.com to get full details. All right, so that will take us into uh, the ball games. <laughs> Let's go ahead and break this stuff down. We're moving into the Armed Forces Bowl that would be this evening's game, Wednesday night, Missouri taking on Army. Army is favored by seven, juiced at even odds. Not bad. Not bad at all. The total sits at 54 here. So uh, let's let's give you some betting trends. Missouri 0-4 against the spread in their last four non-conference games. They are 2-9 against the spread against winning teams. Uh, they were not good against the number basically all season. Army 4-0 against the spread following a spread loss. Remember, they did... Uh, they did lose to Navy to end the regular season. They are 4-1 and one against the spread uh, in their last five bowl games. And so Missouri running back Tyler Beatty will not play. Apparently that was a coach's decision, which was a little strange to me. Uh, freshman quarterback Brady Cook will start. He is 19 of 24 on the season for 107 yards and one touchdown so far this year because Connor Basilak uh, is still dealing with an injury, tried to come back, did not play well. So there you go. So, uh, guys, I, I want to start with you first, Parker. Since week seven, Missouri's up to number 47 in defensive rushing success rate. Uh, now, that changes a little bit if you go back even just a couple of games, right? You and I were literally just discussing this before we went live. I'm curious what to expect from them against Army. Now, they shut down some game or some rushing attacks that uh, that were pretty decent, right? Florida and South Carolina Pretty good rushing teams overall on the season, but Missouri was able to shut them down. They did not shut down Arkansas completely. Uh, we know what Army is. Army is fantastic. They're number four in uh, in uh, explosiveness as far as passing, et cetera. Um, I, I wonder about this one. Is Army going to come out fired up? What, what do your numbers say about this matchup? Yeah, there's some interesting... Um... Uh, I, I suppose I can file this in the offseason bucket Con uh, conversation about Missouri's rush defense, just in the way that they've, you know, done done a little bit better at the end of the season, whether um, you should look at is there a significant change since they got battered around by Tennessee and by Texas A&M. But, um, you know, since, since week five, that doesn't include the Tennessee game, but does include the Texas A&M game. I have them at uh, 109th in rushing success rate. And so that Texas A&M game is really bringing them down uh, a whole lot. They were, they're really, really poor there. Um, and, and 119th in EPA per rush. Obviously there's a talent disparity here with, with army versus uh, the sec East teams that they've seen, but army has rushed for, um, 60, uh, 59 or more uh, attempts in all but three games. Um, and so I, I really think there's going to be a volume and kind of a cumulative effect here that West Virginia, who, who or excuse me, Missouri, who has not been great against the um, uh, against the run, might, might be subject to here. There is obviously a question of motivation um, with a team like uh, Missouri has a lot of opt-outs, um, is playing in a, a random bowl game in, in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of if they show up because I do believe Army's going to show up and be physical. Two things that caught my eye in this game uh, and, and why I might might believe that Army's going to be um, coming out on top, uh, field position. Uh, on offense, Army is 14th in the nation starting at their own 26.8. West Virginia is 89th. On the flip side, um, that's sorry. That's Army's defense is 14th. On the flip side, Army's offense is uh, fourth in the nation, starting at their own 35th. And West Virginia's uh, Missouri's defense is 68th. 
Uh, finally, my last stat here, in terms of finishing drives, Army is 23rd in points per quality possession. They finish drives really, really well. Uh, Missouri is 120th in points per quality possession. I think it's going to be a slow game. I think Army's going to make their uh, scoring opportunities count. I like this a lot more at five and a half, but I'm, I'm trusting the model. I'm sticking to the numbers. I, I'll take Army and and, uh, and to cover here. So one thing that I'm curious about, obviously we're trying to figure out motivation. We're trying to figure out exactly which team wants to be there, et cetera. It does look like Missouri is using this as uh, basically practice heading into the 2022 season. They're starting a freshman quarterback. They got rid of, um, I, I say got rid of, but Tyler Beatty will not be playing. So they're, they're going to be trying out some different things here. You look at the defense for Army on the season, defensive explosive rate allowed, they're number 125. So... Obviously, when you don't allow a ton of defensive plays, when you give up big plays, that certainly plays into it. Wake Forest absolutely ate them alive doing that. Missouri has not been great with explosive plays thus far this year, but we do have a different quarterback coming in, et cetera. Uh, Kyle, I want to get your thought here. Is there any way to know what to expect in this ballgame? Well, I don't know that we know what to expect from Missouri. I think we know what to expect from Army. Uh, that's kind of why I like Army in this one, because if you're Missouri, how excited are you to go play in this game? I, I don't know. I mean, are you excited to to go get a bunch of cut blocks all game against Army and, and get get beat around there? Um, you know, Army Army is a team that I don't want to fade in bowl season. Uh, Munkin's a really good coach. Uh, he's already two and zero in this specific bowl game, I believe, um, and three and one overall in bowl games. Uh, Brady Cook, who's expected to start there from Missouri, what do we what do we know about him? Not much. I mean, he hasn't really played in key situations so far. He's attempted twenty four passes. I think they probably run a little bit more with him than they would with uh, Basilak. Uh, I know Army cares about this game. The military games all care about uh, teams always care about their bowl games. Uh, if you'd just been betting military schools and bowl games in the last decade, you'd have a lot of money right now. So um, Missouri's run defense was bottom five in the country in the first eight or nine games, like you guys talked about. They were slightly better there in their last few games. For the season, 116th in rushing play, uh, success rate allowed. That's a bad weakness to have against this Army team that, you know, we know they're happy to get four or five yards every single play just um, down the field gradually. And Missouri, uh, what do I make of the fact that, you know, Beatty's out? We don't really know why he's out. You know, he's out for some reason. Uh, Byers is out. Uh, tight end Nikio, uh, Nico Hay. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced that. Martez Manuel, the defensive back. Uh, and two offensive linemen are out. So Missouri, with this multitude of people sitting out this game, they didn't exactly finish the season playing that well. And you've got an Army team that, why would they not be up for this game? They just lost to Navy last game. In fact, uh, that makes me like Army more in this one because, you know, if they had just pulled off a, a last-second comeback, then maybe you could argue that they wouldn't be as fired up for this game. But um, I'm going to take Army in the first half here because I think the game script is good for them to get out to a lead. I worry a bit that Missouri could move the ball when they're behind, trying to throw the ball around a little bit. I still do lean Army full game, though, and uh, I think this is a pretty good spot here for Army. Well, let's go ahead and make that official uh, two plays on this one. Parker is going to ride with Army covering the seven, and Kyle is going to take Army minus three on the first half line. Uh, I'm going to stay away from it. I, I don't know what to expect from Missouri, and I don't like volatility, which <laughs> there's a ton of it in these bowl games. Um, so, but I, I can totally see where you guys are coming from with that, and I will be pulling for you as we go through the game this evening. Moving on to the Thursday, December 23rd, first game. It is the Frisco Football Classic. This was a game that was actually made up out of thin air so that they could fit all of the different bowl teams in. And uh, this is North Texas against Miami of Ohio. Now, Miami of Ohio favored by two and a half, juiced at minus 115. Uh, the total sits at 54 and a half. And it, it seems like it might be a lot of points. Uh, if you have watched these two teams play thus far this season, North Texas six and zero against the spread to close out their last six games. They are five and one against the spread as an underdog this year, and they are two and five against the spread in their last seven bowl games. That is certainly, certainly not good. Miami um, of Ohio five and zero against the spread at neutral site games. They are four, uh, four and thirteen against the spread in non-conference games in their last seventeen. 
And I'll go ahead and tell you, Chuck Martin, the head coach at Miami of Ohio, I could not believe this stat when I looked it up. He is 0-24 straight up in non-conference games. Could not believe it. So <laughs> that I don't know what to make of it exactly. Uh, they are 5-0 and against the spread at neutrals in their last five, uh, but they have not won a single one of them, and now they are favored in this spot. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be an interesting game to watch. Uh, it is essentially a home game for North Texas. Uh, Frisco from Denton, about a 30-minute drive. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this one. Uh, North Texas, typically a passing offense. But this go-round, this year, they have figured out, hey, we can win if we just run the football. They're number 37 since week seven in offensive rushing PPA that's predicted points added, a little different than Parker's EPA, uh, but relatively close, relatively close to the same thing. Uh, Miami, number 79 in defensive rushing PPA. Uh, this is, you look at Miami's passing numbers, and they are through the roof. But that is against a lot different defenses than what we see here with North Texas. Uh, how are you feeling about this game? So, I mean, the MAC in general has looked really bad in these bowl games. Northern Illinois stayed inside the number. Uh, you know, Northern Illinois defied the odds all year. Uh, Toledo was beaten by a really bad uh, Middle Tennessee team. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody thinks Middle Tennessee is good. Um, Eastern Michigan throttled uh, by Liberty, uh, just no game there. The Max 32 and 46 uh, against the spread in their last uh, 78 bowl games. You know, this is a tough game to handicap, uh, in my opinion. Miami is one and six against, or one and six straight up, and two and five against the spread on the road this year. This is essentially a road game for them, right? So um, they were six and six. Guys, they had 8.4 second order wins. Um, very unlucky by that metric, but this keeps happening under Chuck Martin, and this is probably postseason content too, but, um, you know, they keep having a lot of close losses every single year under Chuck Martin. I've seen it every single year. It's, well, Miami's had bad luck. They should have been better than this. Uh, so for some reason, it keeps happening to the same team. So, you know, that's something to kind of explore. Why, why is it continuously happening that they keep losing these close games? Uh, Miami 105th in strength of schedule, according to Sagarin, and North Texas 123rd. Miami 42nd in yards per play margin, North Texas 92nd, so a big difference there. If you look at full-year numbers, you have to kind of like Miami. If you look at more recent numbers, just in recent weeks, North Texas has been playing really good. Um, North Texas defense is 15th in success rate allowed, but 129th in explosiveness allowed. Um, I think this is a Miami team that can get some big plays with Gabbard there. Um, North Texas, eighth in tempo. So I, I think this total's a little bit too low. So I'm leaning to the over in this game. Haven't decided if I'm going to pull the trigger on this one. I lean just slightly toward North Texas here if I had to take a side. It might even take the money line if it was just a plus two and a half. But uh, my stronger lean here in this one is the over. Uh, Miami's been bad on the road. MAC teams, I really don't want to back in bowl games. So slightly in North Texas, and I kind of like the over here. Yeah, this is definitely basically to break it down as easily as possible. Miami can't stop the run. North Texas can't stop the pass. Uh, I definitely like the chances for and over there. Um, however, like you said with Chuck Martin, I, sometimes I just don't know what to expect from him, especially on the road or in non-conference games. They don't even look like the same team sometimes. Uh, since week seven, Miami number two in offensive uh, passing PPA and number 13 in overall offensive explosion. North Texas number 120 in defensive explosion uh, explosiveness allowed. Uh, you know, when you look at total plays, North Texas number nine in total plays, Miami number 92. Uh, Parker, uh, give me give me some numbers here. It, I, I think that North Texas can play keep away, um, but I, I don't know at this point. <laughs> I want to know what your thoughts are. You uh, ended that last segment talking about there's too much volatility in the Armed Forces Bowl, and so I don't want to touch it. And I thought, you know, speaking of volatility, here come the North Texas Mean Green in 2021. Because <laughs> uh, these guys have been up and down uh, all season. Uh, you know, they, they have won, what is that, five straight to end the season there with a, with a good win over UTSA at home. Um, that, that That's not nothing, right? I look at that UTSA win. They had touchdown drives of... Uh, 26, 15, and I think 23, 25 was the other one. So a couple of fluky kind of short field scores that made that, um, you know, a little bit more uh, of a game than maybe it should be. They do want to play slow. Um, they're 124th in um, 
uh, early downs rush rates in the nation, rushing on 66.5% uh, of early downs. And they're rushing pretty well. 0.082 is 42nd in EPA per rush. So again, you have high volume and high EPA. That's very impressive because they've got a nice punch, counter punch. Um, they're a little more explosive on the rush game, which um, is interesting to me. So their um, they're rushing EPA is better than their rushing success rate on offense. On defense, Miami is um, is a little bit the uh, opposite there. Miami is 79th in EPA per rush allowed, but they're 33rd in success rate allowed. And so they've struggled with giving up a big play, but largely they've stopped um, teams. So that matches up pretty nicely for what North Texas theoretically wants to do. One thing I'm worried about, North Texas is 78th on third and fourth down success. Miami's defense is 71st. And so, um, again, you know, if, if there was a weakness to exploit, it would be that. Um, but I do think that Miami's defense um, will, will be able to kind of match up uh, in those early down situations uh, and, and avoid kind of the third and short where North Texas can obviously run over them. On the flip side, again, speaking of uh, kind of volume and quality, Miami's offense is eighth um, in EPA per pass. They're passing, uh, they're rushing only 49.2% uh, of the time on early downs, which is 35th in the nation. I like Drew Plitt. I, I took the under on Miami at the beginning of the season. I felt like they had reached the ceiling of what they were, and they did have some bad luck this year. But Drew Plitt's a competent, experienced quarterback, and uh, North Texas does not have a um, passing defense to speak of, 92nd in, in EPA per pass. The other stat that I think will really define this game is uh, points per quality possession. Miami on offense is 11th since week five in a 4.9 points per quality possession. North Texas, 62nd. Um, and, and so that, I think they'll be able to finish drives really, really well. I do expect to see some explosive fireworks on early downs for Miami. They're fifth in early downs EPA, whereas North Texas is 76. And, you know, you think Mac and, and, and Conference USA, North Texas' schedule hasn't been that much better uh, than, 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 than the Mac schedule because some of these QSA teams are really, really poor. So uh, I like, uh, again, I tend to favor early downs passing and high vo high volume passing over early downs rushing and high do uh, high volume rushing. So that leads me to think that Miami is going to be able to um, to take this. I do like that it's moved. I think it opened at like three and a half and it's moved to two and a half. I feel a little more comfortable uh, with that. I feel like I got some value there. So I'm going to take Miami to cover this two and a half spread. I, by the way, um, you said Drew Plitt. That's the Ball State quarterback. It's oh my gosh. the quarterback. It's all good. Gabbert, yes, yes, about, but it's, it's no, that's premise. that's great. <laughs> I'm having I'm having a Wednesday, man. Gosh, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So all I right. want to make sure the listeners know it's Gabbert that's the quarterback. So when you watch this ball game, that's who you're looking for. Uh, you tend to lean with the early downs passing. I tend to lean with the teams that run the football, uh, and that is the direction that I'm going to go with this. Let's go ahead and make it an official play. Parker is going to ride with Miami to cover the two and a half. I'm going to take North Texas. I like the fact that they're at home. They have been riding a hot streak here lately. Seth Luttrell, I think I think he's going to have his bunch fired up for this one. And I can't trust Chuck Martin in non-conference games or in bowl games or the MAC in bowl games, any of that stuff. So I'm going to take North Texas plus the two and a half. I uh, already bet them at three, still like them at two and a half. I got a little money line action on it, just a little bit. So that is the direction that I am going to go. Let's move to the other Thursday game. And that would be the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF and Florida. Florida is a seven-point favorite, juiced at minus 115 currently. The total sits at 55 and a half. This is a 7 p.m. Eastern time game. And what a fun brand matchup. This looks like it could be interesting. Now, obviously, you wish these two teams were at full strength, that everybody cared, all that good stuff. Uh, but if we can just get these two in-state teams that really, the fan bases really don't like each other, I kind of enjoy this. I kind of enjoy it. UCF 2-5 and five against the spread. Their last several, uh, seven at uh, neutral sites. They are 6-15 and 15 against the number in their last 21 games overall. So they have not exactly been ideal. 1-5 and five against the spread after a straight-up win, and they did close the season with a win. Florida 3-8 and eight against the spread in their last 11 neutral site games. They are 0-6 against the spread in their last six non-conference games. And to close out the season, they were 0-6 against the spread. It totally makes sense as to why uh, their coach would have been fired. Dan Mullen is gone. Greg Knox will be the interim coach. He is 2-0 straight up as an interim coach, 1-0 at Mississippi State. And then, of course, they won their last game by three against Florida State. Uh, they closed as three-and-a-half-point favorites in that game, which is why they did not cover. So that, uh, that should clear up some of that. Anthony Richardson, 
out with a knee injury, so he will not be playing. Wide receiver Jacob Copeland and uh, the linebacker Diabate is transferring. They will not be playing. Uh, we've got all kind of stuff going on. Emory Jones is transferring, but he will play in this game, so this might be a bit of a showcase game. Parker, I want to start off with you on this. Uh, UCF could end up getting Isaiah Bowser back. I I think that this is a bit of a mismatch with the UCF rushing attack against the Florida defense, but at the same time, we're looking at a pretty big talent discrepancy between Florida and UCF. I don't know what that means in this game, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on you with some of these numbers and uh, and let you tell me which direction we need to go. Yeah, I mean, again, you can uh, you can split hairs on these bowl games and um, and 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 really kind of talk yourself into you know the motivation factor or, or, or the matchup or whatever on on a lot of sides. One thing that stands out for me is I, I I think that if Florida was gonna have the really dumb we don't care game, they would have lost to Florida State at home because Florida State was playing well towards the end of the season, um, and 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 I really think that. Um, that that was going to be the game where they were going to have the drop off. I, I I mean, obviously Florida's roster is more talented top to bottom. And I do think there is a little bit of a chip on a shoulder situation here for Florida, especially against the in-state rival. Um, on, on the flip side, Florida's rushing defense has been bad. I'm not sure that UCF can, um, can kind of physically dominate them the way that teams have been able to dominate them running counter and power. Um, I, you know, UCF does not have the athletes even, uh, especially along the line of like a South Carolina, in my opinion. So UCF 20, 21st in EPA per rush, but 80th overall, uh, or sorry, Florida's defense is 80th in EPA per rush. Florida's passing defense is really, really good. I think they're going to take away any explosive ceiling. I, I, I really do feel like they'll be able to um, kind of match up and take away any kind of over the top, any kind of big play potential from UCF and make UCF kind of grind it out. That works in Florida's favor. They're 14th in late down success, whereas UCF's offense is 90th overall. Um, on the flip side, Florida's offense has been underwhelming. Uh, you're just kind of going to have to believe they're going to cook up something crazy. They're going to play for some pride here. Um, the, the points are a lot here, but again, Florida um, is a little bit better passing than they are rushing uh, on, on early downs and UCS pass defense has been just okay. So I think Florida wins this game. I, I think that I'm going to take Florida to cover here. Um, a touchdown makes me nervous, but I can sprinkle in a little bit of, you know, uh, sunshine state uh, pride that Florida's fighting for here. And, uh, and some of these guys who are going to stay at Florida uh, haven't completely abandoned ship uh, making some plays. Jumping into the chat, Mark Holmes, you know, it, it's funny to see the different sides that people take on these. He said Florida doesn't care and their quarterback's leaving. Uh, but that could mean, again, that this is a showcase game for Emory Jones. And then on the other side, Eric said Isaiah Bowser isn't explosive at all. He'll get you four yards. Um, and now, of course, they're going back and forth about whether or not Florida will care about this game. Who knows? Who has any idea? Uh, Kyle, I've got so many questions. You know, Parker cleared up some of them here. Uh, the Florida passing attack has been pretty good, I guess, to end the season. Uh, but UCF is actually really good in coverage. Again, the question here is, can Florida just overwhelm UCF? What uh, What are your thoughts? So this game sold out. Um, I don't know, would we assume? Who's going to have more fans here? I mean, because both of these, uh, you know, Florida has a ton of fans, obviously. UCF has been wanting to play Florida for a really long time. They finally get their chance to play Florida. Uh, should be a fun atmosphere as far as these two schools. Uh, Florida has been a money burner against the spread here uh, at the end of the season. Richardson being out certainly hurts. Emory Jones will transfer. Like you said, it could be a, a game where he wants to look pretty impressive. Interim coach Greg Knox uh, leads the way. I, I feel more confident that UCF will be uh, excited to play this game than I do Florida. Having said that, obviously there's a big talent gap there. And UCF's offense, I mean, uh, without D Dylan Gabriel, just a massive drop-off, right? I mean, they went from explosive and really good to 5.38 yards per play in conference and really uh, not a great conference. So, I mean, you know, they, they really weren't very good on offense. UCF's secondary is good, like Gary said, top 25 unit. The run defense is the question mark. Florida's season-long run numbers look really good. At the end of the season, not very good, just decent. Um, I think this has the potential to be kind of an ugly game, you know, not not a great game uh, for TV. I think Florida's team total at 31 and a half is a little bit too high. Uh, no Copeland hurts quite a bit for Florida. 
Yeah, I think UCF's pass defense is probably underrated by most people. The question is, you know, can Florida just run it down their throat? I'm not um, I'm not wanting to lay points with Florida in this situation. I think UCF would be extremely motivated to play a game like this. However, you know, is it going to shock me if Florida just thumps them? Of course not. You know, these these are these are things that we don't know the answer to before we see the game. But we're we're taking uh, we're looking at the numbers and making educated guesses. Certainly, um, I'm going to take Florida team total under 31 and a half. I'm going to root for uh, Florida 24 to 10 win or something like that. So Parker and I can both cash. I like that idea. Uh, we talked about volatility in bowl games and whatnot. Turnover margin on the season. Florida, number 112, UCF, number 31. If UCF finds a way in this ball game to get a win or even just to cover, uh, pay attention to the turnovers. That's the big thing. So let's make this official. We do have two picks on this one. Parker is going to ride with the Gators to cover the seven. And Kyle likes the Gators team total under 31 and a half. Uh, and I tend to agree with both of those. Uh, I, I think that's probably the way to go. Uh, but again, I'm going to stay away from it because I have no idea what to think. <laughs> I don't know what to make of these teams. Uh, let's move to Christmas Eve, Friday, December 24th. We have got a ball game at 8 p.m. Eastern time, the Hawaii Bowl. And I think this one is literally being played at like a practice field with like 3,000 people or, or at least 3,000 seats. Uh, but it's still a fun trip. You know, uh, Memphis heading down to take on the Warriors down there. Hawaii is an eight and a half point underdog, and the total sits at 55 and a half. Uh, this is this is going to be interesting. Memphis one and five against the spread as a favorite, one and five against the spread in their last six bowl games, and they are one and four against the spread in their last five games this season. Hawaii one and four against the number in their non-conference and three and seven against the spread this year following a win. Um, or not just this year, just going back over the last two years under Todd Graham. This, uh, there's a lot going on, of course, with uh, different staffs and whatnot. Memphis uh, defense coordinator Mike McIntyre left for Florida International. He will be the new head coach down there. Uh, Calvin Austin III decided to opt out. He is Memphis's leading receiver, even though he has not had a touchdown catch in the last six games. Uh, and then, of course, with Hawaii, there was the SF Gate uh, article that came out that was basically discussing how Hawaii players all hate playing for Todd Graham, which is really interesting to see all of this come out, uh, all the different things that they were saying about the coaching staff. Uh, but on top of that, they did have their starting quarterback, Chevron Cordero, and the running back, Day-Day Hunter, both entered the transfer portal. They will not play in this game. I, I've got all kinds of questions. Kyle, I want to start with you first on this. Uh, Memphis number 78 in net points per drive. Hawaii is number 89. Uh, this is a bit of a mismatch when it comes to Memphis's rushing attack, which they have not done a whole lot of here lately because they just haven't been able to get the running game going. I don't expect them to against Hawaii's rushing defense. Uh, since week seven, Hawaii's rush defense is number 12 in uh, in PPA per rush. I, I don't know that Memphis, without Calvin Austin, will be able to score on Hawaii. Uh, do you have a, a thought on this one? First, I mean, I, I can't get too excited about this game. I know, uh, you know, maybe that's probably not the right thing to say here. We're supposed to sell that this is an amazing game, right? I feel like I'm Charles Barkley where he's talking, you know, in the halftime of the NBA game on TNT occasionally. He'll be like, this game sucks, you know. <laughs> but, but uh, I mean, you know, there still could be a betting angle in this, right? It doesn't have to be a great yeah. game for there to be value. And Gary, I mean, I – this has been a disappointing season for Memphis. I mean, you know, go six and six. Gary was all over this, uh, betting the season win total under on Memphis before the season. And Memphis is 0-9 against the spread in their last nine road games. I mean, this is as much of a road game as you're ever going to get uh, in bowl season. So I think Memphis has to be kind of disappointed with the season that they had. Um, the news about Todd Graham, I don't know what to do with that. You know, I mean, chemistry issues. Uh, it can't be considered a good thing. There's no way it can be considered a good thing, but it's hard to quantify exactly how much it means. Chevin Cordero out definitely hurts a lot. Uh, Braden Shager uh, has not been very good. You know, two touchdowns, five interceptions. It's hard to expect a lot from the Hawaii offense. And guys, on raw numbers from the season, this looks like an overplay to me. But when you look at who's not playing, uh, it looks like an underlean to me. So, uh, it's one of those games where, you know, your power ratings and the numbers that you would project throughout the course of the season, you have to kind of uh, take that into context as to what's actually going on here. 
I don't think Hawaii is going to score a lot of points here. Memphis's defense has improved some, at least late in the season. Does Memphis want to go to Hawaii because it's a vacation? You know, they're going to have fun. Or is this uh, to play a game and, you know, be a business trip type situation? There's no way I can lay this this many points with Memphis here. Uh, and per Thor Nystrom, uh, last 33 times the team has gotten to play at home in a bowl game, 18 and 15 straight up and 18 and 15 against the spread. Not a big sample, but it's kind of interesting. You know, it doesn't happen very much. Guys, I would lean Hawaii in this one, but if I bet this one, I'd have to hold my nose. This is just a, a tough game. Yeah, this is without Memphis's leading receiver. Uh, he was their explosive play threat. I mean, he over over 15 yards per catch this season. He uh, gained a ton of yards, even if he didn't get into the end zone a lot. Uh, I don't know that they really are as explosive without him playing. Uh, Seth Hennigan, the freshman quarterback, has been pretty good this year. Uh, Parker. You know, give me give me some thoughts on this. Uh, you know, I'm looking at turnover margin. I'm looking at everything else. Uh, Memphis in turnover margin number 91, Hawaii number 80. Uh, I I don't know what to make of of any of this. I feel pretty strongly that that riding with the home team might be the the better option here. It's even with uh, without the starting quarterback and the starting running back. I still think this defense played hard all year, and they played hard in the last two games. So even though that article came out. Uh, and everybody was talking about, you know, oh, this is terrible. I can't believe they haven't fired Todd Graham. Uh, I mean, they blew the doors off a couple of teams towards the end of the season. Uh, pretty good teams that actually made bowl games. So give me uh, give me your thoughts on this. Yeah, so I, I have to take this opportunity to point out, as I've done many times this season, that Memphis is only in a bowl game because of an absolutely horrible call in the Mississippi State game where Memphis, uh, the punt was downed, the referee waved his hands over his head, and then the Memphis player grabbed the ball and ran to the end zone. The referee was like, oh, yeah, go ahead. You can have a touchdown. Just uh, absolutely very, very dumb play that I, I, I lost a, a play on that one. So that's why it's hey, still by, by the stuck way, in my head. But um, By the way, I lost that one as well. But that was Calvin Austin the third. He won't be able to do that in this small game. <laughs> ah, okay, so they can't run that. They can't run that. Actually, the punt was down play in the, uh, yep, in the Hawaii Bowl. Work. Yeah, Memphis <laughs> has been um, awful on the road. Just awful. Uh, one and four. And Hawaii's been uh, pretty good, four and two. They've beaten a couple good teams at home. Fresno sticks out. Um, and, and their ability to kind of disrupt the run game like they did against Wyoming is really interesting to me because that seems to be what I think um, Memphis would would try to get going here. Hawaii, 48th in defensive EPA this season uh, since week five. Uh, and, and their success rate has been kind of bad. Um, 81st in defensive passing success rate, 52nd in defensive rushing success rate, but their EPA has actually been a little bit better, 53rd and 54th. So they're really making you kind of earn it, string multiple successful plays together and not letting you get these kind of cheap chunk plays. They are 16th in early downs EPA allowed. So really able to kind of, again, when when the play is open, when you have your best shot, they're able to kind of take it, really struggle on short, short yarded situations on third and fourth down, 119th overall. Um, but they're also really good at, at finishing drives. They're 36th in points per quality possession allowed on defense. So this Hawaii defense had an experienced secondary coming in, was an interesting kind of note. And of course, they've been up and down and there's all sorts of nonsense going on, but they've played well at times this season and they're at home. That's a huge advantage, especially with you know Hawaii and going all the way out there. Um, this is certainly uh, non-scientific talk, but I've heard some reports that some uh, Memphis folks are looking to just get in and get out as quick as they can to this bowl game. It's right there on Christmas Eve. Um, the, the flip side, I, I think Memphis on defense has really struggled on third and fourth downs, and that's been Hawaii's offensive uh, Achilles heel. They're 95th on third and fourth down success, but Memphis is 126th. Eight and a half is so many points. It's open at five and a half, I think I saw. Eight and a half is so many points for a game where motivation's thrown out the window. One team is traveling four time zones uh, on Christmas Eve. They don't have their best player. They aren't very good all season they've been awful on the road this seems like a, a fine spot to go with the home team very very defensible here so i'm going to take hawaii um uh, i have memphis straight up i'd still be interested in memphis money line but my official play is going to be hawaii to cover that eight and a half that's that's so many points for this game that's exactly how i feel about this uh, i think it's going to be a little crazy uh but i do expect hawaii to be able to keep this within eight and a half let's go ahead and make it official uh we are both going to ride with the warriors at plus eight and a half on this parker and myself uh, again, eight and a half, just too many, just too many points. I think the Hawaii defense is actually pretty good, and Memphis, without their best offensive weapon, uh, who knows what to expect in this spot. Uh, I had, I saw Jay Bomination jumped in and said, "Yes, Calvin Johnson is playing this game." I don't think, uh, I don't think Megatron is going to play in this one, but uh, but you never know, you never know. So 
Uh, we shall see. Calvin Austin the third opted out on uh, December 15th. So he's uh, nursing an ankle injury, whatnot. He's prepping for uh, the NFL draft. So let me go ahead and remind everybody, uh, like the video. There are a lot watching, way more watching than have actually liked the, the thumbs up button. So click that thumbs up for us if you would so kindly. And make sure and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. We do this Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. We have still got a lot of bowls left to cover this year. We'll be back again next week, just like usual. We'll be back again tomorrow, Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure you are subscribed. And again, if there are any questions that you guys have, uh, go ahead and dive into the chat with them. Uh, the chat is kind of uh, blowing up right now. So we appreciate Eric and Bruce and Jay Bomination and Mark, et cetera, all of you guys that are in there. Thank you for joining us and, uh, and watching the show and being a part of it. That moves us to Christmas Day. We have a Christmas Day bowl game this week uh, or this year, the Camellia Bowl, Ball State against Georgia State. And, uh, and Parker, this is the one where, where Drew Plitt is playing. <laughs> Georgia Look, you State. can't blame me for getting the Mac schools that are red with the bird mascot. It's been a long day. <laughs> yes, it has. Yes, it has. Uh, Georgia State uh, is favored by six here. Total of 51. Georgia State 8-1 and one against the spread after a straight-up win. They are 5-1 and one against the spread as a favorite, and they are 6-1 and one against the spread overall in their last seven games. Ball State 6-1 and one against the spread after a straight-up win, but they are 1-4 and four against the spread in their last five bowl games. But on the positive side, again, they are 10-4 and four against the spread as an underdog in their last 14 games. So they tend to cover when they are in this position. Uh, since Week 7, Georgia State's offense, number 10 in success rate, but they are number 129 in explosive rate. Uh, I found that very interesting. The Ball State defense is number 117 in success rate, but they are number 3 in explosiveness allowed. This is uh, an interesting, interesting game setup. I... <laughs> I thought about taking both sides on this one multiple times uh, and then decided, you know what, I'm probably going to stay away from this because I don't know that my toddler is actually going to let me watch it. Uh, but, Parker, I want to start off with you on this one. Uh, those numbers that I that I just read off there with success rate and explosiveness, et cetera, hey, give, me, give me some meaning to this. What, what is going on with these two teams? Yeah. So again, I like to compare, you know, success rate to EPA because that gives me a good idea of like how, you know, how efficient you are versus how explosive. So Georgia State's offense is 49th in uh, success rate, but they're 54th in EPA per play. Those are basically the same, right? There's no big lean towards explosiveness. Their run game is actually very explosive. 28th in success rate, 19th in EPA per rush. That passing game goes the opposite direction, though. 85th in passing success rate, 99th in EPA per pass. Guess what? It doesn't matter. They're rushing on 64.7% of early downs. That's 118th in the nation. Um, they, they definitely want to go line up against the MAC team and, and, and kind of run the ball down their throats. Um, on the flip side, if I look at those success rates for Ball State, 80th in offensive success rate, 98th in offensive EPA per play. So they uh, are only efficient and not very uh, not very explosive there. On defense, 113th in success rate, but 73rd in EPA. So exactly what you're saying there. What's happening is they're letting you kind of string these chunk drives together. Um, that that that's bad, uh, kind of in, in two ways. One, points per quality possession allowed, uh, 4.38. For, for Ball State is 83rd in the nation. Um, and uh, percent of first and uh, first downs on first and second down, so third down avoidance, they're 111th in the nation. Just just getting getting manhandled on early downs there. Uh, one thing going for them, they are third in field position allowed on defense at 25.3, whereas Georgia um, State is 111th in starting field position on offense. So, of course, when Georgia State is going to try and get four and five yards every play, the further away they are from the end zone, obviously, better chances that that works out for um for Ball State there. On the defensive side of things, Georgia uh, State's defense has been uh, pretty bad against the pass, 89th overall. They're giving up quality possessions uh, at a 55.9% rate, which is 98th in the nation, and they are 88th in third and fourth down success. So I, I do expect this um, Ball State offense to have a good advantage in terms of relatively shorter fields, and I do expect them to get lucky and extend some drives here. Um, I, I don't have a lean on either team being substantially better than the other. 
Um, and so I think this is going to be close. I think this is a lot of points. As, as much as I am, am uh, again, trusting the numbers, holding my nose and picking Ball State, I actually could talk myself into experienced quarterback who, who's shown us some uh, passing upside in the past. They have games against like Western Michigan. They put up 45 points. When, when things get weird, Ball State can come out on top. And so I, I think that with the field position advantage um, and with Georgia State being so rush heavy, that uh, Ball State will try and increase the variance, make this kind of a crazy game. And, and the wilder it gets, the more likely it is that Ball State uh, comes out with a cover here. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and go with Ball State to cover this uh, six-point spread. Now, Kyle, uh, Parker has now bet on two MAC teams. And, and I don't know uh, exactly how good that's going to do <laughs> in, in bowl season. <laughs> Uh, Kyle, give me your thoughts on this one. I, you know, both of these teams are pretty disciplined when it comes to turnovers and penalties. Uh, they they both seem to be uh, better at opposing things. And and I do like where Parker's coming from with this should be a relatively close game. Uh, give me your thoughts on this. I was just looking through the line history on this one as, as you guys were talking, too. I, I'm sitting here like, why didn't I take Georgia State minus three or minus two and a half in some places earlier on? Um, you know, I, I think at minus six, it's a lot different than, you know, at minus two and a half or three. Obviously, those are just really crucial numbers. Um, you know, I guess to play devil's advocate to what Parker said there, uh, first, I mean, I don't I don't like backing MAC teams in the bowl game, so it does make me nervous. Um, ball State hasn't finished a game since mid-October where they had anything higher than a 54% win expectancy. So uh, only three games all year where they were above that. Uh, and that's according to Thor Nystrom as well. So um, some good information there. Ball, Ball State showed up in the bowl game last year. So can they do it again? I mean, they played well in that game last year when nobody thought they had a chance. Uh, there are 100th in yards for play margin so far this year. Georgia State 84th. I think Georgia State's offense has improved quite a bit with uh, Granger at quarterback of late. Uh, very run heavy team, 66% of plays a uh, run. And Ball State, uh, I don't think they face very many really good running teams. I mean, the Mac was really weak and I, I, it's just, uh, I'm not confident that their run defense, which looks a little bit subpar, isn't even a little bit worse than that. You know, I think they're a pretty weak run defense. Uh, Drew Plitt, 163rd and PFF passer grade so far this year. A lot of short, quick passes from them. Uh, they might be able to break some big plays though, because Georgia State is not a good tackling team, a kind of weak secondary, 88th and PFF tackling grade. I lean to the over in this game. If I had to bet a side, I think I'd bet Georgia State here. Uh, but my stronger lean is the over in this one. Um, Georgia State plays really quickly. I know Ball State isn't giving up too many explosive plays, but this total's not too high. So uh, I'll lean to the over in this one. It totally makes sense. Let's go ahead and, and make it official. Parker, the only one that has an official play on this, and he is going to ride with the Cardinals. Uh, Ball State plus six is the way that he is going to lean uh, we got a couple more games here. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, we haven't done so uh, at all this show, but this show is also available in podcast format. Uh, we want to boost those numbers up. If you are traveling for the holidays, et cetera, make sure and download the podcast at any of your favorite podcast apps. Leave a nice review for us, a uh, nice five-star rating, et cetera, over on Apple Podcast. It is called the BetUS Football Show, and it is the NFL Show and the College Football Show. So go ahead and make sure that you sign up for the podcast. Uh, moving on to Monday, December 27th, we're going to talk about the Quick Lane Bowl. Western Michigan against Nevada. Now, we have a MAC team that is favored by a touchdown here. Western Michigan, a seven-point favorite, juiced at minus 105. Uh, total sits at 56. And this Nevada team is going to be completely different than what you have seen them look like all season long. Uh, Jay Norvell. The head coach left for Colorado State uh, by Tuau. I'm hoping that I say that correct. Is the interim coach. Uh, the quarterback, Carson Strong, has opted out along with a slew of wide receivers, defensive players, etc. cetera. Uh, I think Matt Mummy, the offensive coordinator, is still going to call plays in the game, but we shall see. Uh, let me give you some of the trends here. Western Michigan, 4-1 and one against the spread against winning teams. 1-4 and four against the spread in their last five, though, to close out the season. They are 2-5-1 and one against the spread on, uh, on neutral sites. Uh, Nevada 4-0 against the spread in bowl games. They are 10-1 against the spread as an underdog, and they are 5-2 against the spread in their last seven games. So this is a team that plays with a lot of pride. Uh, however, I don't know exactly who's going to play here. I mean, I got no idea. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Uh, Nevada's defense cannot stop the run. 
They are number 97 in PPA per rush, uh, number 92 in rushing success rate allowed, uh, number 120 in stuff rate, and that's not good going up against Western Michigan. This is since week seven, by the way. Um, Western Michigan, number 12 in offensive rushing PPA, and uh, number nine in offensive rushing success rate, and also number five in offensive line yards. Like, they are really, really good. Now, obviously, that is against MAC defenses, but... This is a MAC team that's favored by a touchdown. Kyle, I, I got to get your opinion on this. I don't know what to make of Nevada, so why shouldn't we bet on, on Western Michigan here? Gosh, I mean, it's hard because this has gone from plus seven to minus seven. Fourteen-point yes. swing, guys. This is completely unheard of. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this. You know, think of all the key numbers it's blown through to get from seven to seven on the other side. Uh, I mean, is Nevada going to have enough players to play in this game? There's so many guys uh, not going to play. I would assume, I don't know if anybody's heard, uh, Romeo Dobbs uh, probably won't play either. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's... So uh, he hasn't opted out yet. Um, right. And I think that if he was going to, he would have done so by now uh, because it, there's been multiple others that have, right? Uh, the tight end, uh, just all, all kinds of... And a couple but, other wide receivers. But I has believe. he opted in to practice is the question. <laughs> He might not have opted out, but what is he doing right now? You know, that's that's, uh, that's, that's nebulous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess if, if you're Romeo, Romeo Daubs, uh, why would you play in this game when everybody else is not going to play on the Nevada offense? You know, I mean, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's this is a tough one. I, I don't want to back a MAC team, really, especially laying seven points. Well, there's no way I can take Nevada. So I, I'm sitting here. I, I don't know what to say. If there was one game that I was going to say today, guys, I do not want to bet on this game. I'm passing. This would be the game I would say definitely. Western Michigan should be able to run the football really well. Um, the special teams, 130th out of 130 teams at PFF. So uh, really bad special teams. That could be a problem. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, the body clock thing, too, for Nevada. Uh, I know this is definitely overblown in the NFL for you know West Coast teams coming to the East. Um, if you had just bet on those teams, you would have been doing good in the NFL. I don't think it's a good thing, though, for Nevada, you know, coming to to play basically a road game and, and uh, their time on their schedule would be a very early start time for this game. So yeah, 9 a.m. body clock. Yeah. yeah, way, way too many unknowns for me to get involved in this one, guys. I, I'm going to let Parker give a more detailed breakdown on this one. I, I can't lay a bunch of points with Western Michigan, uh, but I, I can't take the wolf back either. And so, Parker, I, I'm trying to figure out the, the quarterback situation here. Uh, it looks like backup uh, senior quarterback Nate Cox is going to be the starter. Uh, he was 14 out of 20 on the season with one touchdown, only one game where he threw more than five pass attempts. Uh, this, like, if you're Jay Norvell, how do you only get your backup with, with multiple blowups that they've had this year? How do you only get your backup 20 pass attempts in a season? Like, that's, that's just insane to me. Um, Along with that, can you I know, say something maybe un, maybe maybe uncharitable? Hey, go um, ahead. <laughs> if you want to get the heck out of Nevada and get a better job, and you have a quarterback who might get drafted in the first round of the NFL, uh, that's why your backup isn't getting any reps, that and why sense. you're keeping your quarterback in, <laughs> even in big sense. situations. Yeah. So uh, the uh, the turnovers, I did want to bring up turnovers. Uh, Western Michigan number 83 in turnover margin. Nevada number one in turnover margin in the country. I, I found that interesting. Uh, so even if the offense is, uh, you know, not doing uh, the same as you would expect them to, uh, their defense is number eight in takeaways per game. So, eh, you know, give me uh, give me your thoughts on this one, Parker. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that, that that Nevada has has played an analogous opponent in Air Force, um, mm -hmm. who I think is a better rushing team uh, than than Western Michigan, of course, and and maybe even a little bit more physical. Um, and so I, I think we've seen that what, what Nevada hopes to do is kind of strike on that big play. I think they have like a 49-yard touchdown, a 61-yard touchdown, a couple huge chunk scrambles by the quarterback. I mean, the answer with the air raid is, uh, you know, we have our best players out, our backup quarterbacks in. Uh, we're just going to throw the ball, man. We're just going to let it fly. And, and again, I, I, would, I would lean it towards uh, Nevada being a little bit able to, to hit some of those plays. Um, just the line being so big here, you know, when this was one point, I could, you know, I could talk about ah, toss up. I don't want any part of this. Seven points here seems like a whole lot. Um, it, it, 
you know, both teams are good on third and fourth downs, and it really is just a matchup of, you know, physicality. Uh, West Western Michigan wants to run and, and kind of pound the ball. They're rushing on uh, 59.2% of early downs, and Nevada just wants to let it out uh, fourth in early down rush rate, only 33%. So they'll throw early and often, and the good thing about throwing early and often in a game that should be close to a toss-up is that your ceiling is way higher. The ceiling of you running the ball on first down versus the ceiling of you passing the ball uh, it's it's a lot more likely that something big and crazy is going to happen in your favor if you're passing the ball that often. Um, and so overall, um, I don't love, uh, you know, I, I don't love a Nevada um, even money line here. But the fact like to, to, to think, given their, their stat profile, that Nevada has kept a close game to Air Force uh, just a couple weeks ago. I don't imagine this being this big of a game. And so I think Nevada will keep it close. Um, and this one I, I think will be um, ugly, but kind of in the charming, you know, uh, friendly way, not in a, I don't want to watch this game. I hate it, but in a, I can't look away kind of train wreck uh, way. So this will be a fun game. And I think Nevada, um, Nevada with their passing upside should be pretty, uh, should, should, should be pretty okay to cover these seven points. That, that would make sense. <laughs> Let's make it official. Oh, by the way, we haven't even mentioned uh, the quarterback, Caleb Ellaby for Western Michigan. I brought up Nate Cox, who threw 20 passes this year and didn't bring up Caleb Ellaby. Uh, since week seven, uh, their passing PPA for Western Michigan is number four in the country. Like, he can throw, he can sling that thing around a little bit. So, let's make it official for Parker. He is riding with the Wolfpack, plus seven. Uh, and I can't disagree with it. I mean, this was, it's a 14-point swing. This is some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen. So, uh, so Nevada plus seven for Parker on that. Uh, we are going to move on the last game that we will cover today. Don't forget, we do have a show tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Make sure and join us back for that. This is the Military Bowl. Boston College against East Carolina. Boston College favored by three at even money. Now, the total sits at 51 and a half. Uh, Boston College, two and eight against the spread their last 10 bowl games, five and two against the spread as a favorite this year. Uh, they are two and five against the spread in their last seven games overall. Uh, East Carolina four zero and one against the number after a straight up loss, which they ended the year with a loss. They are five one and one against the number as a dog, but they are one and four against the spread against ACC teams in their last five matchups. So that certainly doesn't look good. Uh, but I am a I'm a Mike Houston believer. So uh, Bill Jerkovich will return for 2022. Uh, we would expect him to start in this game. Uh, looking at some of these numbers, Kyle, I want to start off with you here. Boston College, uh, number 121 offensive passing success rate against East Carolina, number 19 in defensive passing success rate allowed. This is this is kind of strange. Uh, with with Phil playing quarterback, you would expect you know better numbers. Obviously, he was out for a good portion of the year. He came back late in the season, which Parker broke right here on the show. He's not a newsbreaker, but, you know, he, he let us know. But um, East Carolina has played really, really well this year. I, I'm curious your thoughts on, on the Pirates against the Eagles. Yeah, East Carolina has been impressive this year to me. Uh, Houston, I think we all thought he was a good coach when he was hired. It took a little bit of time, but he's done a good job at East Carolina. I believe East Carolina has only lost to bowl-eligible teams so far this year. So a good season for them. Uh, good job for the program. Uh, Yurkovich coming back, uh, big pickup. Um, I think Flowers might be coming back as well. As, uh, did, did I read that? I mean, that's a big, big uh, pickup as well. Um, you know, Boston College uh, didn't exactly end the season playing very well. You know, I, I don't know what to make of them to finish this season. I think it's good for them next year. But, I mean, they lost at home to Florida State. Then they lose 41 to 10 to Wake Forest. Uh, I think that's a pretty bad, bad loss there. Um, I'm confident ECU is going to want this game. You know, they haven't been able to get into this spot in the past. They have to be up for this game. So if you're looking at motivation, I think uh, they have to be highly motivated. These two teams are nearly even in strength of schedule, which is kind of interesting when you look at the two uh, leagues that they play in. But Holton Aylers, very inconsistent. I, I could say uh, one game Holton Aylers looks terrible. The next game he could look amazing. Uh, you know, which Holton Aylers shows up in this game. Uh, I would I would de definitely lean toward East Carolina in this one. I haven't bet this game yet, but I could see this at least being a small play of mine taking East Carolina or even maybe on the money line at the plus money price. Uh, the total's right what I would make it, so no lean on that one. 
Boston College has been uh, sliding into the end of the season. Not sure what their motivation level would be. Uh, I think Houston's a really good coach, and uh, I would lean toward East Carolina here. Uh, East Carolina, number 34 in total plays per game. Boston College, number 113. Uh, I found that stat kind of interesting because they play so much slower than I than I assumed that they would having a quarterback like Phil uh, Jerkovich. Uh, like you said, Holton Aylers, who knows which one we're going to get, like who, what, which, which Holton is going to show up. Uh, but I guess the same can be said for Phil here. Uh, Parker, the Boston College defense is great at preventing explosive plays, but they're the number 97 defensive success rate allowed team. Um, I guess since uh, since week seven, I, and and East Carolina is just average at both of those. Is there a way for them to take advantage of what Boston College is doing? You know, I I, I think there is. I'm actually really excited to be able to back the the Pirates one more time this season. I I, I think they've done a great job. Um, they are 33rd in EPA per pass defense. Their secondary has been sufficiently annoying um, this 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 season, uh, and they've been disruptive. I mean, you think about that Cincinnati game; they did lose 35-13, but that included a returned kind of a fluky returned uh, field goal for a touchdown for Cincinnati. They were they were in that game for a while. Um, that was pretty close. They took Houston to overtime, um, and 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 kind of eked out some some close wins down the stretch. So I'm really impressed with what they've been able to do and kind of their defensive consistency. 24th in quality possession rate, only 45% uh, allowed. Whereas Boston College is 50.4%, uh, which is 70th. So they're not getting these quality possessions. They're really kind of boomer bust. Um, the the fun thing about this game is kind of the asymmetry on third and fourth downs on both sides. So on fourth downs, uh, third and fourth downs on offense, Boston College is 86th. East Carolina is 18th on defense. On the flip side, East Carolina's offense is 64th, whereas Boston College's defense is 22nd. So um, you're making hay on early downs that you're not getting anything in this game, which is really, really fun, kind of ups the stakes. Um, one thing to point out in terms of game control, this equal ratio, uh, East Carolina has 22nd in the nation. They're really, really controlling possessions well. And I, I do think that they'll be kind of stable in this game. They'll be able to, um, I think they'll avoid kind of the, the big play here, uh, especially in that EPA per pass, you know, there's a success rate for passing is 59th. Their EPA is 33rd on defense. So like they have been allowing short stuff, but they're not going to let Phil kind of break out this big uh, play overall. So I like that. I get to back the pirates one more time. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that they'll cover three here as an underdog. I, I tend to agree with you. I like the way uh, that you were thinking here. I'm going to lean with East Carolina, not going to make it official, um, but but I do like what you're talking about here. Uh, the numbers certainly seem to uh, lay that out. So let's make it official there. Parker, East Carolina, covering the three here, plus three for East Carolina. Now, uh, before we jump into our recap of our best bets of the day, let's go ahead and dive in. We did have one question in the Q&A, and Eric said, do you guys think that Jimbo Fisher is pulling them out of a bowl game to not look terrible in that game? How can you not have enough players to play? What team will fill the spot? Uh, I know that there are plenty of five and seven teams that have high APRs that are wanting to play. The reports are that Rutgers is interested in playing, even though initial reports stated that they were not. They are the highest ranked APR team. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, I don't believe, is pulling his team out so that they don't have to play in a bowl game and be embarrassed by Wake Four, anything like that. Uh, this is a legit issue that we are going to have going through bowl season. Uh, Ross Bjork, the AD at Texas A&M, is saying that uh, all of the guys that tested positive all have symptoms. They are all in isolation. We Obviously, we're not going to get political on the show. We're not going to talk about you know the virus or whatever else, but this is a legitimate concern, and this will not be the only game that is impacted, at least in my estimation. Uh, Parker, Kyle, do either of you have any, any thoughts on this? I know Illinois is interested in playing. Um, Bert came out and said that he would like to play in the bowl game, but who knows at this point what they're going to do. They're having a meeting on Thursday about this. Uh, Parker, I'll let you go first. You got any thoughts? Uh, I'm just glad this isn't the Duke's Mayo Bowl because I don't want Brett Bielema anywhere near getting a Mayo bath. That's all I have to say about this. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, what have you got on this? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Gary, that this won't be the only game that's affected. You know, we're going to see more of this coming up, which is uh, another reason to be careful betting these too far ahead of time, you know, unless you're just willing to take on the variance that, you know, I mean, you could either be on the right side or the wrong side of something like that. So, um, and I, I don't think that Jimbo Fisher just pulled the team out just to, to not look bad against Wake Forest. I mean, I, Wake Forest isn't that good either. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know who's going to play. I do kind of hope that we don't do this thing where somebody said they might have a a team play that's already played in a bowl game. I'd rather not see that. I I tend to agree. I would rather like don't get me wrong. I would love to see Coastal Carolina face off against Wake Forest. Fair. Some of these matchups could be very fun, but I would prefer that they bring in somebody that has play. Illinois would be very interesting in that spot uh, because I don't think Wake Forest can stop the run. I think Illinois could, but at the same time, you're trying to pull kids in just a couple of days before Christmas to start prepping for a bowl game in a week down in Florida, like. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, other than that, I don't believe that there were any other uh, questions for the Q&A. Let me double-check right quick. Uh, <laughs> Anoop said, Jimbo Fisher's sense of humor has been in isolation for decades. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that. I could totally see that. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's go on and give our picks recap for the day. And, Parker, I'm going to let you start off because, uh, of course, as usual, you have the majority here. I gotta take take a deep breath real quick. Yeah, um, I'm going with favorites for uh, Army, Miami of Ohio, Florida, uh, and then underdogs. I'm taking Hawaii, Ball State, Nevada, and East Carolina this week. All right, I have only got two on today's show. I am going to go opposite of Parker. I'm going to take North Texas plus two and a half, and I'm gonna ride with him on Hawaii covering eight and a half. It's just too many points. Kyle, what you got? I'm going to take Army on the first half, minus three. So uh, rooting for the Black Knights there tonight. And Florida team total under 31 and a half there tomorrow. I like it. All right. That is going to wrap up today's show. Of course, reminder, we will be here again on Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, that you have hit the notification bell, because that thing will let you know exactly when we jump in here and start talking bowl games. Uh, along with that, if you would, Go ahead and like the video for us if you have not already. That certainly helps us out. But jump in the comments. We want to know your picks on these games. Give us some stats. Give us some information. Maybe you can sway us one way or the other on some of the leans that we have. We would love to hear your opinion as well. Uh, along with that, make sure and sign up over at BetUS. Go sign up for the contest. Go sign up just to bet. Go to BetUS, where the game begins. Fantastic sports book. There is a link in the description for that. And... Of course, if you missed some of the live show, you can always go back and watch it later, or we've got the podcast available. Go ahead and sign up or uh, download, subscribe, whatever, at any of your favorite podcast apps. You can look for it, the BetUS Football Show, on Apple, Spotify, Google, etc., whatever your podcast app of choice is. Go ahead and sign up for that. With that said, we are going to get out of here, but we are looking forward to being back again tomorrow morning uh, for BetUS. We will see you all again on Thursday.